Master Hakuin's chant and praise of Zazen. From the very beginning, all beings are Buddha. Like water and ice, without water, no ice outside us, no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water, crying, I thirst. Like a child of rich birth, wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark path to dark path, we've wandered in darkness. How can we be free from birth and death? The gateway to freedom is Zazen Samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana. Upholding the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds and the way of right living all come from Zazen. Thus one true Samadhi extinguishes evil. It purifies karma, dissolving obstructions. Then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? The pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful, to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom, brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And when we turn inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self, our own self is no self, we go beyond ego and past clever words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form and going and returning we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought, our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless Samadhi. How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom. What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land, and this very body, the body of Buddha. Today is Tuesday, the 24th of May, 2022, and we're going to uh, continue reading from and commenting on uh, Rindo Fujimoto's The Way of Zazen. This is a, a lecture um, that was translated and published in 1961 by the Cambridge Buddhist Association Society. So it's one of the, the early English language texts of, uh, we could say, of, of Western Zen. And we're going to um, more or less pick up where we left off two weeks ago. He says, the lives of individuals who persevere in Zazen in the lives of individuals who persevere in Zazen, those things which are right and best for them will acquire new meaning. The unessential and trivial will drop by the wayside. With or without a teacher, this process is quite a difficult one. It is natural for people to look for roots in tradition and convention, in skills, 
in family, professional and communal relationships and functions. Zen realization does not negate these things, but they may be deeply questioned before and until their place in the cosmic scheme is realized. We can uh, come to question everything in our, in our sitting practice. Love, self-sacrifice, and generosity are natural expressions of Buddhist Satori. Love, self-sacrifice, and generosity. Surely these things are so desperately needed in our world. And they're, they're of course, interconnected. There's a passage on this which, which probably most of you will have heard, I've used it before, but it, it um, certainly can be repeated. And this is, this is from Barry Lopez. He says, evidence of the failure to love is everywhere around us. To contemplate what is, it is to love today brings us up against reefs of darkness and walls of despair. If we are to manage the havoc, ocean acidification, corporate malfeasance and government corruption, endless war, we have to reimagine what it means to live lives that matter, or we will only continue to push on with the unwarranted hope that things will work out. We need to step into deeper conversations about enchantment and agape, to actively explore a greater capacity to love other humans. The old ideas, the crushing immorality of maintaining the nation state, the life-destroying belief that to care for others is to be weak and that to be generous is to be foolish can have no future with us. It is more important now to be in love than to be in power. It is more important to bring E.O. Wilson's biophilia into our daily conversations than it is to remain compliant in a time of extinction, ethnic cleansing, and rising seas. This was written a few years ago, but it's, it's just as relevant today. It is more important to live for the possibilities that lie ahead than to die in despair over what is lost. In this trembling moment, with light armor under several frags rolling across modern Syria, with civilians beaten to death in the streets of occupied Palestine, with fires roaring across the vineyards of California, and forests being felled to ensure more space for development, with stu student loans from profiteers breaking the backs of young people, and with Niagara's of water falling into the oceans from every sector of Greenland. In this moment, is it possible to face the gathering darkness and say to the physical earth and to all its creatures, including ourselves, 
fiercely and without embarrassment, I love you, and to embrace fiercely the burning world. Love is another way of saying uh, uh, non-separation. Love, self-sacrifice. If we love something, then we're, we're, we're living, willing to sacrifice ourselves for it. I, I don't remember who said this recently, but it was talking about climate change, and she, he, he or she said, what we refrain from doing is going to be more important than what we do. To, to be willing to um, make do with less we are so um, conditioned to expect things to keep improving. He goes on, freed from egocentric and utopian ambitions, which often create as many problems as they solve, those expressions are of depth and a special kind of integrity. Freed from egocentric and utopian ambitions, um, egocentric ambitions. Just heard a, a piece of news yesterday, which, or, or perhaps it was even this morning, um, that. Uh, Kurt Cobain's favorite guitar, which is a, a left-handed guitar, sold at auction for five million dollars. That tells us quite a lot about eccentric ambitions. People with too much money, which really is, it, it, it is obscene in a world where, where there is so much deprivation. So, but this egocentric stuff is pretty straightforward. We recognize it when we see it. Utopian ambitions, we may question. This is when we, we could say the, the egocentric is, emphasizes the, the selfishness that humans can, can get caught up in. Utopian ambitions suggested, suggests idealism. One of the ways that this, this comes out, which is causes a lot, creates more evil, is um, wanting to rid the world of evil. Is that, that saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But as we've, as we've seen with wars in the last few decades, um, wanting to rid the world of some evil 
um, is generates evil. Alexander Solzhenitsyn um, famously said, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were only necessary to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. This doesn't mean that we don't respond to harm when we see it. Selsoltsenyatsen also said, in keeping silent about evil, in burying it so deep within us that no sign of it appears on the surface, we are implanting it, and it will rise up a thousandfold in the future. When we neither punish nor reproach evildoers, we are ripping the foundations of justice from beneath new generations. We could include here um, speaking up about systemic evil. There's a, there's a little anecdote I read once on the, on the back of a CD cover of some Brazilian music, and it was a story of somebody sitting beside, the, beside a river and um, f flowing down the river came a small child crying for, for it to be rescued. So the person on the side of the bank goes in and pulls the child out of the river. And then, lo and behold, another child, another. And um, his friend left him there to, to try and um, rescue the children and went up, upstream to, to look at what was happening there. Was there somebody throwing kids into the water? What was going on? To look at the source, we, this is also a part of um, what is necessary, which is, is, is not necessarily utopian. It's, re it's responding to, to um, wrongdoing. We also have the example of the, of the sixth ancestor, Hui Nung, um, who said, um, when others are in the wrong, I am also in the wrong. When I am in the wrong, I alone am to blame. This is a very um, profound attitude to have. So he's saying that, that um, in with deep realization, we uh, are freed from our egocentric and utopian ambitions. And in their place, we develop a kind of integrity. Zazen and everyday life become truly one only after real insight has been awakened and a new relationship is established with the ground of being and with all beings.
skipping forward a bit, um, goes on to give us some give some basic instruction, which is something I think it's worth often revisiting because um, we can just suddenly um, hear something that 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 um, strikes a chord with us, even though it's it's something very basic. So first of all, he he. Um, talks about having a cushion, a round cushion, as, as your, your number one piece of equipment. Secondly, it is a good idea for beginners to have a pencil and a small piece of paper beside them during Zazen. This, however, is not necessary. We remember, we remember many important things while sitting, and it is a good idea to make notes of the problems or important questions which come up. Sometimes questions arise while we are reading or occupied in doing something, and we resolve to think about them later. However, when later comes, we have forgotten the problems. During Zazen, many things come to mind, and it is best to write them down immediately in order to free, them, free the mind for, for Zazen. Obviously, this is not when we're sitting in the Zendo, but if we're sitting at home. And I, I heard this, I think, from Philip Kaplow as well, and so maybe it's come down um, through the lineage since this teacher was a student of um, Philip Kaplow's first main teacher, um, Harada Sogaku. This is a way, it can be um, a good way of, of just... Um, sort of offloading some thought we have, we think it's something important, a way of sort of um, parking that concern on, on a piece of note paper, a way of saying, not now, I'm not going to think about that now, but I'll get to it. And he goes on to speak about um, correct form, or what he calls the adjustment of the body and the breath, and how these lead to the right state of mind that we're cultivating in Zazen. Shakyamuni became enlightened through sitting practice, so we of the Zen school follow this way. In some other sects of Buddhism, doctrine or philosophy come before practice. In the Soto school, practice comes before theory. Experiment is most important, and it is necessary to follow the instructions of an experienced teacher. Um, I think this is one of the people, things that people are attracted to, is that they, they um, don't have to swallow a whole lot of doctrine. But for us, who, when we're not steeped in, in Buddhist culture, um, I think some, some um, doctrine, some study of the sutras along the way is actually helpful for us to, so that we're, we're practicing getting, getting off on the right foot, so to speak. And I'm going to skipping around. Um, it talks about, about the different... Um, ways of folding up our legs, that we, we, we are pretty familiar with that. Then he talks about um, the importance of balancing the body properly. 
He says one should swing one's body first to the right and then to left. This will loosen and relax the sitter. Swinging from one side to the other will make the sitting position stable. And we were taught this in the very beginning in our workshop, but it's something that sometimes we, we forget about. And it's the swaying from side to side in smaller and smaller arcs, so as to find our point of balance through, um, if you draw a line through the nose and the navel, to make sure that that, that line is perpendicular. It is important that one clothes, one's clothes be loose. They should not pull or bind anywhere. When we sit for a long time, we get very stiff, especially during sesshin. Though Even those who are accustomed to zazen often experience this difficulty. People unaccustomed to sitting often get spells of feeling sick during a very long session. Therefore, it is a good idea to massage the lower, massage the lower waist before and after zazen. By the lower waist, he means the, the hara area, um, which is so important in Japanese culture as being the centers where we, one's energy resides. Um, remember Ro Roshi Kaplow, when we first were involved in, in taking care of him, he had something called a hara maki, which was this long strip of woolen cloth, fairly narrow, and um, he'd wrap it around his hara under his clothing and uh, sort of like a sash um, in order to keep his hara warm because he suffered terribly from the cold in the, in the Rochester winters. And the, the maki in this hara maki is the same same as the word that's in the, the kind of tubular sushi that you, you have, which is sort of think something you roll up. But um, to keep this, yeah, to keep to to massage this area because it can get it can get quite tight, and it should be should we should um, develop it so that it's it's soft and pliable. Then goes on to speak about the hands. The correct position is as follows. Rest the right hand, palm upward against the abdomen just below the navel, and then put the left hand on the right hand in the same position. Put thumbs together for support. He also explains earlier on that um, the left is, set of the body is considered to be the, the quiet side and that's why we put the left hand on the top uh, when we do zazen. Now as for the upper part of the body, it is very important to keep the spinal column absolutely straight. The head is kept in a straight line with the backbone. The shoulders and upper part of the body should be loose and relaxed. The eyes are always kept open. And he has a slightly different take on what you do with the eyes. He says to look straight ahead and then just let the, the eyelids naturally close a little. Um, sometimes, sometimes people get, get caught up in, in looking at the wall, but really it's more that the, the, eye, the gaze is, is resting at neutral.
He says, um, keeping, keep, always keeping the eyes open, but all right to close them for a short time at the beginning of a sitting to help quiet the mind. However, it is not right to lose contact with the everyday world. Buddhists should remember that Shakyamuni was enlightened when he saw the light of the morning star. We should not forget that samsara is nirvana. Samsara is nirvana is a way of saying that the, the ordinary temporal relative world and the, the spiritual world are not two. We don't try and, and shut anything out in our world. Correct breathing is as important for Zazen, is important for Zazen, for one must achieve harmony of mind and breath. Taiso Daishi believed that certain bad mental states were caused by lack of harmony between these two. Before Zazen, a few very deep breaths will help quiet the mind. Then after swinging one's body from side to side in order to achieve balance, one should again breathe deeply from the abdomen for a few minutes before returning to normal breathing. This normal breathing should be silent and not rough. It is important not to inhale too much air for a long period as it is tiring. Sometimes our breath may feel quite rough. Um, it's not something we can necessarily just change at will, but rather have to sort of let it come over us by, by th through keeping the, the body and the mind relaxed. In the Rinzai school, strong pressure on the abdomen while breathing is perhaps overemphasized. It is not right to cling to the idea of breathing in a special way. A few deep breaths should establish the center of gravity in the lower part of the body. First, inhale slowly through the nose, using the air to expand the abdomen as far as possible. Then exhale slowly through the nose till the abdomen is again contracted. It is necessary that the center of balance be in the abdomen. Chikara, which means force or power in the abdomen, is essential in all traditional Japanese physical culture. There's a book that was written around the 50s, I think, um, by um, German uh, Durkheim, I think, um, called, called Hara, which goes into the, the important role that Hara plays, this, this lower abdominal area plays in all aspects of Japanese culture. I will now speak of the proper functioning of the mind during Zazen. Beginners often ask me about their problems. However, it is very difficult for me to be of any help to them. Neither a short nor a complicated answer to people's questions is really helpful. It's, it's reassuring to hear this from another teacher. <laughs> Very difficult for me to help any of them. It's all right to ask me questions, but it is not enough. One must experiment for oneself, and then one will understand. 
After reading a book on the subject of swimming, one must get in the water and find out about it firsthand. A book cannot give one the experience. Questions, I think this is an important point he's making. Um, the, 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 in, the teacher is limited in, in how um, his or her words can um, help because they, they remain theorist, somewhat theoretical. But it doesn't mean that questions don't have their value in Doksan. Um, first of all, in communicating what is going on and communicating your question, you may um, articulate it more clearly, bring it, bring it into the open. And secondly, the teacher may ha be able to help you further clarify the question, but but ultimately our practice questions we 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 solve them through our, our experience. There are various ways of quieting the mind. The first way is putting the mind in the left hand, which means projecting the mind into the insole or the hand position the hand mudra. The inzo symbolizes the Buddha. When our mind is in the inzo, the body and breathing will be right. Before I read this, I thought this, this um, putting the mind in the left palm was simply um, a sort of little trick one could play on oneself not to tense up the, the, the abdomen area too much. It's still lower than one's center of gravity into the belly region. Um, but here, uh, he's putting it forward as a kind of um, practice in itself. And he'll, he'll go into this um, later, later in this lecture some more, and talking about um, different problems people have in their sitting. In Rinzai training, the ko soku koan is used to quiet, to clear the mind. Um, and the, there's a footnote about this term, kosuku koan. Kosuku koan is a case history from antiquity of the enlightenment experience of a Chinese or Japanese master or disciple. These kosuku are used as subjects of meditation in Rinzai Zen. From the Soto point of view, all kosuku are expressions of the Genjo koan, which they consider to be the original and formless koan. And he talks about Genjo koan also later, later in the piece. So it's really just meaning um, koan here, which we would say just say koan, or case, cases. Mondo of the masters. This is a good way to cultivate the Zen way of seeing. However, I think it is better to develop the Zen condition by shikantaza. This means devoting oneself solely to sitting by quieting the mind and putting it in the left hand. The Zen eye finds its source in the Zen condition and the Buddha's enlightenment is not yet the Zen eye, but the Zen condition. In Soto Jitsen, we just sit. This is the most natural way. Just to explain this, this um, what he says here, 
um, enlightenment is not the Zen I, but the Zen condition. I'm guessing what he's talking about here is that um, we can have um, insights when we're practicing um, experiences, we can enter into states of mind that are very profound, clear, uh, but that pass. That's, that's the Zen I, the having insights. But he says enlightenment is the Zen condition. It is, enlightenment is not just a, a passing state, but um, an embodied, integrated insight or establishment in uh, no self. Not dependent on a particular condition for existence. It's a, it's a, a sea change or a transformation in us that, that out of which the insights come. The main aim of Zazen is to let go of mind and body. However, Buddhists sometimes pay too much attention to the mind and therefore they cannot get rid of it. <laughs> We've all experienced that. The Kosuku Khan may be useful. However, Shikantaza is better because one has a tendency to cling to the Khan and to one's mind. Although we should put the mind in the left hand, we must not pay attention to the mind. I think he's talking here about the discriminating mind. When we pay too much attention to the left hand, we are preventing Satori. When we consciously put the mind in the hand, it is wrong. There are various kinds of good meditation. Satori is beyond all of these, and it is necessary to pass through the many regions of the mind before enlightenment. So first he tells us to put our attention in the left hand, and then he tells us it's wrong. But he's talking about some kind of um, self-conscious holding of the mind there. There are several kinds of good meditation. These are only views on the way to the real Satori experience. It is only possible to go through different kinds of, of meditation if one is faithful and keeps courage. And these states of minds are transcendable if we sit in right zazen. However, they are not ideal states of mind, but states of mind on the way to enlightenment. Sometimes they are wrongly understood as conditions of great satori, and, was at, and one is apt to remain in them because they are happy conditions. However, a static enlightenment is an impurity. There is absolute reality when we continue on, abandoning all. Um, it's, it's, I think we all fall into this um, several times, uh, multiple times in our practice, is of, of experiencing a, um, ecstatic, uh, something ecstatic or, or um, very concentrated, and then we we it passes and we turn it into a thing that we try and, try and somehow uh, find again or recapture. And this is this um, wanting, wanting to have something be graspable 
turns it into an impurity. Some claim that we need not discipline ourselves. He's talking about in the Soto school, um, Zazen. They think we need only to believe in our original Buddha nature and realize that we are full of defilements. From the point of view of faith, we all have the Buddha nature, or Honsho, which means original enlightenment. Indeed, we are all complete Buddhas. And Honsho, Myosho, means the original enlightenment self that is Myoshu, Shu rather, uh, a re or real practice. Both original enlightenment and practice are different names for the same thing. And so belief in original enlightenment is realized in the form of zazen practice and discipline. That's a very helpful way of putting this. Belief in original enlightenment is realized in the form of zazen practice and discipline. We, we express that, that faith that we have in enlightenment, our potential to awaken. Awaking, awakening without practice or discipline does not exist. Dogen's way is continued practice, which is an expression of original enlightenment and not just a means to an end. The only real practice is forgetting enlightenment. This is the real Honsho Myoshu. Therefore, he who disregards practice could not be called a Buddhist, should not be called a Buddhist. Uh, we, we could say maybe that somebody who's, who's not yet practicing but is reading a lot of books about Buddhism, they might be a, you could say they're a pre-Buddhist, not to, not to damn study completely, but just to see that it's, it's it, it, deep study will eventually bring one to practice. It says, in Soto, we don't, do not set any special stages to enlightenment, and we do not emphasize doctrine. When we speak of putting the mind in the left hand, we speak in the spirit of Honsho Myoshu. If one puts one's mind in the left hand with conscious attention on the mind or, or on the left hand, relativity results. We should sit in Zazen forgetting the mind and the left hand. This is the, the paradoxical kind of instructions we hear. What, what, what it's pointing to is the, the unselfconsciousness of, of complete absorption. In Shikantaza, one has a tendency to fall into a negative zazen, which results in apathy and sleepiness. In order to avoid this, we use a koan called genjo. Literal meaning of, of this genjo is accomplished in the present which means that the present, just as it is, is the reality of our ideal world. That's, that's the attitude that we sit in in Shikantaza. That just as it is, whatever we're experiencing just at this moment, is our ideal world. In other words, the world of enlightenment. 
person who clings to life suffers in this phenomenal world since they cannot see beyond phenomena. However, the enlightened ones see through the relative world with all its limitations to the absolute and infinite reality and therefore are able to reside in this phenomenal world as a spiritual realm. The enlightened one and the sufferer who clings to transient phenomena see the same world in a different way. This is a wonderful question and therefore it is called a koan. What's the, there isn't actually a question in this paragraph, but what he's pointing to is the question that comes up if this is the case. Well, how do I see beyond the phenomena to uh, encompass this absolute? And even, even talking about it in this way is, is misleading because they're not two separate things, but rather two, two faces of one coin, so to speak. So there's still, still, according to this master, still a, um, a question present in, uh, in Shikantaza, an implicit question, this Genjo Koan. Beginners in Zazen usually find their minds confused and disturbed. This is natural. There are two great obstacles to Zazen. The first is konjin, which means depression or a kind of melancholy. When a beginner expresses konjin, it is usually in the form of sleepiness. Um, dullness, we could say. Um, in the Vajrayana tradition, they call this konjin laxity. Sort of low mood, low energy, fogginess, you know, all aspects of this, of this conjun. Experienced sitters who have calmed and quieted their mind sometimes feel faint, and if the zazen condition deepens more, the sitter may fall into mu sojo, or no consciousness. Some people believe that zazen mind is simply loss of consciousness. However, this is wrong. In the right Zazen mind, all aspects of consciousness do not function, but this does not mean unconsciousness as in sleep. The mind condition in Zazen is called shonen sozoku, or the succession of right mindfulness. This is different from the no-mindedness, which applies no consciousness. It is a good thing to calm the waves of the mind, however sleepy or dead a sleepy or dead condition is a kind of conjun. Some people feel they are in deep fog or melancholy. One must rid oneself of such mental conditions. I think we, the, this, the term no-mindedness gets used differently by different uh, teachers. And um, the way that, that we understand it in our lineage, it doesn't mean no-mindedness no does not apply no con mean imply no consciousness, but rather um, no self-consciousness. 
So he's, after talking a little bit about this conjure, then he talks about the opposite side. Um, second obstacle to Zazen is called Joko. Um, in the Vajrayana tradition, they call this one excitation. For, for beginners, this means to be in a fidget with many thoughts or ideas running through the mind. There are two types of mind waves. The first, ideas created by oneself from inside, and second, those which come from the outside through the senses. Those who have, an experience, have experience in Zazen may feel great elation. They may jump up from their cushions believing they have attained alignment. This can result from sitting intently in the wrong way. Or they may see a great light, the great light of the Buddha, and feel grateful and ecstatic. Such, such experiences are serious obstacles. They must be overcome as quickly as possible. Um, this, they're, 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 can become obstacles because they're so seductive. But they can also um, strengthen our enthusiasm and our faith in the practice. They're only unhelpful if we attach to them, try if we turn them into a thing through through our desire to to um, keep the, them going to to return to them if we've lost them. These conditions are sometimes thought to be enlightenment, however they result they are the result of bodily or mental fatigue or of a misunderstanding of the meaning of Zazen. When Zazen has deepened, one may feel bursts of great joy. The real Satori is, Satori is called the mind of great joy. This joy, however, emanates from the mind which has transcended all the relative joys as well as sorrows. Therefore, we must not try to grasp these small joys. We must go beyond them, no matter how difficult and undesirable this may seem. One way of avoiding joko while sitting is to look at the edge of the nose and lower the feeling to the abdomen. Um, hadn't um, come across this one, looking at the edge of the nose. I think it would make me go, go cross-eyed. But worth giving it a try next time you're feeling restless. And, and of course, he mentions the, the lowering of the, of the energy, the feeling to the ad, abdomen. So lowering the, 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 the body's energy for the restless aspect, um, but for the laxity, the, the congen, the, doing the opposite, bringing the, the awareness up to between the eyebrows and, and concentrating on that point. He says to concentrate until the point rises and raise the feeling to the forehead. Change the focus of your eyes or breathe deeply and silently. So these are things we can we can try out and see if they work when we're we're in the, that that state of, of dullness that we can so easy to fall into. But then he says at the end, basically the best remedies for both uh, restlessness and dullness come from our own experience, and they'll be different for different people. He talks about the kyosaku, the stick being helpful in both um, 
the restlessness and the um, excitation and sorry and the um, the excitation and the, the drowsiness or dullness to 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 ask for the stick when you you feel sleepy or when you when you're feeling down and um, he makes that point that we make often in workshops that the sound of the kyosaku will help awaken our neighbors too. He says the kyosaku is better than any kind of advice, though it may disturb something, some people, this is not a bad thing. Those who have never practiced Sazen sometimes think that the kyosaku is a dreadful object. Actually, we appreciate it when we're sitting, because we, we're something that is alive, enlivening grounding and um, invigorating at the same time. Now just we'll just have finish up with we haven't got time to go get to the end. Just finish up with this last um, paragraph a little bit further on where he starts to talk about um, Dai and Kyochi, which is the great mirror mind. He says those who are not enlightened, have ego-centered minds which are the result of illusion. Their attitudes and behavior are egocentric. However, the Buddha has no such egocentricity. Therefore, the difference between an unawakened, the unawakened and the Buddha depends on the degree of self-centeredness. Adherence to self is called gashu. The cause of gashu is called hoshu which is a kind of illusion created by misunderstanding of phenomena not conceived as interrelated and interdependent parts of the same reality. Uh, that's, a, that's a good, helpful uh, articulation of, of um, our self-preoccupation, the cause of our self-preoccupation, a kind of illusion created by a misunderstanding of phenomena, not conceived as interrelated and interdependent parts of the same reality. This is what we don't see, and this is what is at the, the heart of our alienation. When we free ourselves of, from this illusion, that's when our mind is the mind of the Buddha. And our illusory um, my knowledge is, is transformed into um, the four wisdoms of the Buddha. So on that note, we'll stop here and recite the four vows. beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain. Oh.
all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain.